Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sunday Funday with Socks on Tap and on Tap Sportsnet production. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Tankathon.com. We are officially in the tank watch for the White Sox after two embarrassing losses to end the series uh, in Seattle over the weekend. <laughs> right now, the White Sox sit at ninth overall draft pick. Uh, just great. You know, lost two um, in a row now, uh, whereas the Rockies aren't doing themselves any favors at eight. They, they've won three in a row, so they're going in the wrong direction. White Sox are headed in the right direction. Love to see it, Tone. Jesus Christ. Johnny. <laughs> Wrong attitude. Just wrong attitude there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm that was a big complete fan sarcasm of, if you could know listeners. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of satire and sarcasm, but God, I just want this team to win. I just want them to win. This game, Johnny, I know you were you were driving home um from your weekend away, but I'm sitting there watching this in the bottom of the fourth inning and Nova loads the bases. And then it just felt like death by paper cut. It was like being waterboarded just one run Mm -hmm. after the next coming in. And I was like, but by the end of it, by the end of the fourth, when we're down five, nothing, I didn't really know what to do. Do I flip back over to the bears game and, and watch the bears do I continue to subject myself to whatever this is that the Sox are trying to do? You know, what, what do I do here? And, you know, baseball is my favorite sport. So, of course, I'm going to sit here and, and likely watch the Sox. But it, it was just so deflating, especially after last night when... Alex Calame gets taken deep by Omar Narvaez. And then you come out here and you give up a five spot. And we've talked about how important crooked numbers are in this game. Giving up that five spot. I'm like, all right, this is done. This is, this is done. There's no way. So I stick with it. We go into the top of the fifth. And it might have been the best inning of White Sox baseball all year. Oh, yeah. It was an explosion, man. Crooked numbers. It was the crookedest number that you can put up on the board is eight, mm-hmm. I think. You know, like, there is not a straight line in that number. No, no. Like, if we're talking about cool numbers, cool and tough numbers, eight is probably the coolest and toughest number. You know? I, like, I'd I agree mean, with you. You know, like... Nine doesn't really have a straight in it either, but like you want to get you want to get somewhere that doesn't have any straight lines, you're going straight to eight. So very mm. cool and tough number. I loved it. Not only that, how they scored these runs. You get an Adam Engel bomb, and you get a Wellington Castillo bomb. Run. Yes, yeah, with runners on base. With runners what, yeah, on base. I, I was just going to say how important that is. Yeah, that's very opportunistic. And it seems like we don't have a lot of those. Usually like our, you know, I know we've had a few throughout the season, but it doesn't, you know, it seems like other teams can rack up runs like that really quick on a couple of hits. Whereas it was nice to see the White Sox actually do it today in the fifth inning here, you know, three run home run and then a grand slam later in the inning uh, by Beef Castillo. Um, I was happy to see that. Uh, you, you talked about how you kind of, you know, sat through it and, and, you know, even held on even after that crap going down five, nothing. Um, when I saw it five, nothing, usually like, cause I have MLB TV, 
Um, but the connection was kind of in and out for getting a stream up. So I was like, eh, should I listen to it or should I just kind of keep tracking everything on social media? Cause you know, the bears are going on. I had my Ravens going on, um, all of that stuff. And I was like, eh, I was like, all right, I won't. And then I saw the highlights from angle and Castillo, And I was like, all right, hell yeah. Like I didn't tune into it yet, but I was like, all right, I'll keep an eye on this one. And then, uh, I probably shouldn't have kept an eye on it tone because the wheels fell off after that. Well, they didn't exactly fall right off either. So you get the three run lead after <sighs> Wellington Castillo grand slam and an Adam angle three run shot. Just, you know, if those guys are producing Johnny, you have to win this freaking ball game. Like, yep. there, like there's no excuses for that. When you're getting production out of, I know Daniel Polk has been bad. I know Yonder Alonso was terrible. But coming into this year, coming into this year, there were two guys that I was like, huh, these are automatic outs. There were three there were three guys in this lineup that were that play a lot who I thought would be problems. And two of them today actually produced. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. you're up eight to five. You've got a three run lead. And then you come into the seventh inning. You come into the seventh inning and you tack two more on there and you're up 10 to five. You have a five run lead, a five run lead heading into the bottom of the seventh inning. The White Sox don't lose ball games like that. And you know what kind of screwed them? Yesterday's bullpen usage. That's what I'm going to go straight to is yesterday's bullpen usage. Bullpen A squad was out all night last night. They threw Friday as well. And they threw Friday as well. And you get Kelvin Herrera, Jace Fry, Cordero, and I believe Osich, Joss Ostrich, all in the same inning. They used five pitchers in the eighth inning, I believe. Yes, you did. You used five pitchers in the eighth inning. That is just absolutely ridiculous why why can none of these guys get an out and we talked about this a little bit i think it was maybe thursday or wednesday whenever the last time jace fry was out there give this guy a full inning jace fry comes out there he does give up a run and a walk didn't get anybody out but he should be able to get through this you look at you look at his names kelvin herrera should have been able to get through a full inning Jimmy Cordero should be able to get through a full inning. Those are three guys that you need to be able to trust to get through a full inning of baseball, and they were unable to do it. The eighth inning was a disaster. Five runs for the Mariners in the eighth inning to tie the game up. That's not great, Bob. That's terrible. That's just brutal. It's brutal. It's everything that you don't want to see the White Sox do. We talk about building a winning culture. We talk about how Jose Abreu wants the season, the the 2020 season to start in September. Blowing five-run leads is the lamest and weakest you can possibly do. It's upsetting. uh, It's terrible. Yeah, I was so, you know, in, in the way that then you, you talked about that eighth inning. Yeah, I mean, that was just a shit show. Uh, that's the best way to I can describe that brutal, all of those above words that we had already mentioned. Um, but then in the ninth inning, too, man, uh, walks doing you in it end up being a walk off walk, uh, the most anticlimactic ending to a game ever. Um, <sighs> you, you know, 
Jose Ruiz in. Uh, we saw him uh, when we were, you know, when we were on our little Knights kick. Uh, blew their season uh, in the eighth inning uh, of their last game, and then you know comes up here. Uh, he, he was the latest uh, September call up, and uh, not getting it done here as well. Um, to, I know that you know it sucks that you don't. The eighth inning is you know what did you in, and they tie, were able to tie the game then. But shit, you want someone that can at least lock it down and give you a chance. And maybe we could have flipped the script and done a extra innings win in this one. Um, and you know, it, in the in the White Sox half of the ninth too, Tone. I want. I always talk about this when you have your best chance to. Tim Anderson, Yohan Moncada, and Jose Abreu all strike out. Every single one of them in the top of the ninth. That's not very opportunistic. <laughs> no, it's not. You need him most. You know, and, and that's, I didn't really mention this, and this is Sunday fun day, so we can get into some extended little topics, Johnny. Jose Abreu's been absolutely a monster throughout late August and September. And I believe I've brought this up before with you. And, you know, maybe some of the listeners didn't catch it. Maybe I haven't wrote about it. And I think I may need to. You go back and you look at Jose Abreu's stats in August, September, and they're phenomenal. They're absolutely phenomenal. But Jose Abreu, for as much of a star as he should be, and the stats look great, you just mentioned it right here. Where is he when you need him the most? To me, a lot of this stuff that he piles on comes in garbage time. You know, it's it's like scoring a goal in hockey when you're down five to one in the last three minutes of the third period. It's like, why are we cheering for this? That's how I feel about some of this sometimes with Jose Abreu. It's just cool. You hit a home run, but we're down eight to one. You know, like you hit a solo shot. What does that do for me? I'm glad you got an extra RBI and a home run to pad the stats, but where are you when it's a tie ball game in the ninth inning and you're up to bat? Striking out. That's what he's doing. You know, and, and that's, <laughs> Same with Johan and Timmy today. You know, it's easy to pick it out today. It's really easy to pick it out today, but I just want to bring it back up because for as great of an August, September as he's had, we've been talking about a whole damn lot of losses, Johnny. We've been talking about a lot more losses in the second half of the season than we were in the first half. If a guy's producing the way Jose Abreu has been, we should be talking about a lot more wins, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely, Tone. Uh, I think that is a good topic, and you know, like you said, we can get a little more extended on these today. I'd like to have a, and maybe there is something uh, that measures more high leverage situations or uh, close game considered uh, stats. I would like to go and find those. I did not have those pulled up and ready to go today. But uh, if not, I think we should make it the opportunistic stat line. You know what I'm saying? Um, I would yeah. just like to see that. I would because you, you're right. It does seem like there's a lot of garbage time. And then when the White Sox are clearly out of it um, in like, you know, August, September, when he ends up doing some of that stuff, like, you know, a cycle a couple of years ago. And that was all great. And they ended up winning that game then. But it's, you know, it, it was way out of reach then uh, in a brutal season. So uh, it just sucks. It, it sucks. It hurts. Um and then, you know, getting walked off for the second time in as many games, that hurts. Yeah. Um, Jose Abreu clutch stats for his career. Um, here, here's some interesting stuff. Um, 
they're actually they actually look pretty good, but uh, it 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 just it doesn't add up for me based on the eye test. But clutch stats. This is according to Baseball Reference. Uh, two outs with runners in scoring position in his career. Jose Abreu is a three oh eight hitter. Um, that's really freaking good, actually. Um, late and close game though. This is this is I don't know what qualifies as a late and close game. I'm trying to get a definition on it. But late and close game, Jose Abreu drops to a two fifty two hitter with one hundred thirty two strikeouts in 496 at bats um he does have 88 rbis in those situations 22 doubles 22 home runs but uh you know it's still there's a significant drop in jose abreu's career across clutch stats his lowest batting average is within late and close game and i'm trying to get the definition here of what late and close game is it doesn't seem to have it um late and close are plate actually i just found it late and close are plate appearances in the seventh inning or later while the player is batting with the team tied ahead by one run or the tying run is at least on deck mm. yeah so you know it, that that would be very interesting clutch you know that would be the clutch factor um 292 within one run, 289 within two runs, 289 within three runs. He's had thousands of plate appearances and all these. He's not a bad ball player. I'm not trying to say he's a bad ball player, but those late and close situations, 252, uh, that's nothing compared to what he's done across some of these other situations. I would like to see what his stats look like um, if we can reverse this and kind of look at what he does when the team's down by eight runs. Yeah, in you know, a blowout I, I would imagine he's probably yeah, in, in, in a blowout game. Um, yeah. Uh, here's one real quick. He's hitting 298 with the team behind. Um, 294 with the team ahead. It's it's very interesting to look at some of these because he, he, he does actually fare a lot better uh, than I actually thought he did. And so maybe this is just my eye test. Maybe this is just me not remembering a lot of the situations he's delivered in. Um, another real quick one. He's got an OBP of 401 with two outs and runners in scoring position. I just feel like for some odd reason, Johnny, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't feel like he's getting on pace four out of ten times when there's two outs and runners in scoring position. It's just That doesn't seem right to me. Um, yeah, and I think some of it's what have you done for me lately? And yeah. this is obviously the latest occurrence of it uh, in this ninth inning. And I, I, you know what? The, that's what we a disclaimer on this. We don't want to say, you know, we're not saying Jose Abreu is a bad ball player. Obviously, you know, the numbers overall speak for themselves this year. But it just, like you'd said, the eye test, the what have you done for me lately? Um, and I think I always love to compare to other players around the league. Um, I would assume that guys like Alex Bregman, like your best players on your other teams, uh, you know, Mike Trout's got to be near damn near perfect in that. Seems like he's always, uh, you know, at the top of everything there. Uh, but you know, even like your hitter types, I'm sure JD Martinez is, you know, clutching those roles, uh, probably Anthony Rizzo, uh, and it, it just, it feels disappointing. So maybe the, you know, the numbers aren't backing us up here. Um, but just, you, you you don't feel like you've seen a real clutch uh, Jose Abreu hit recently. Yeah. 
and I don't know what that is, but it's just it's something that I've kind of noticed is that he seems to perform late in the year, and those stats those stats definitely back up uh, what we're talking about. Um, I know I've read them off at some point, um, but I'll read them off one more time. Uh, Jose Abreu, April and March. This is just by month. I'm just going to just run through these. 268, April and March. Starts the year off slow. 271 in May, minor uptick. June, 292. July, 291. And then August, 316. And then 297 in September, October. Through So basically, he really picks it up in the month of August throughout the course of his career when the white Sox are already non-competitive when yes when every every year he's been on this team they've pretty much been non-competitive so that to me is is very concerning that that rounds out to a 281 batting average in the first half of the year 309 in the second half of the year uh, with most of that production coming in the month of august and september um just something i've noticed about him like I said before, the last time I mentioned this, hey, maybe if there's a playoff run, this is the type of guy that gets hot and carries you in. If you want to look at this from a positive light, which I'm okay to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you flip the script I'm, I'm, a little bit I'm, on it. Yeah, I'm totally the script on this. Take it to the spin zone, whatever you want to say. It's just concerning to me that he seems to produce when the pressure seems to be off and the team isn't competing. Not trying to say anything besides the fact that, you know, his stats in the late later half of the year are better than they are in the first half of the year. That's just a trend I've noticed. Nothing more than that. Yeah. Um, interesting. It, definitely interesting discussion tone. Uh, glad we were able to air it out a little bit, you know, expanded version uh, here on a Sunday Funday. Um, you know, the things aren't getting easier for the White Sox here. Uh, I was, you know, joking about my tankathon comments. Well, uh, actually, if you're going back to those, probably going to look pretty good for him uh, in the next few days here because they are at Minnesota. Um, that's and you got Jose Brios uh, on the mound for the Twins to start the series against Reynaldo Lopez. So. Um, you know, Raylos 0-3, ERA is past three starts at Target Field. Um, not great, Bob. No, no, not great at all. Um, you know, I'm already looking past Monday's game into Tuesday because you got Gilito on the mound, and then uh, I don't even want to look at Wednesday because the fact that Dylan Kelby still starting for this team absolutely freaking amazes me. Um. It just, it almost feels like the Sox have shortened their rotation down to like four guys. <laughs> Covey, Lopez, Chilito, and Nova. I know you've got Dylan Cease in there. Sometimes I tend to forget that he's in there, but it just seems like Dylan Covey is pitching way too much for me to uh, really like the fact that we have to talk about Covey Day every five days. I, I don't know what that is, but Reynaldo Lopez is close to getting to that point in time. Uh, where I feel like he's pitching too much when uh, he continues to just, you know, be so streaky and on the cold side. Um, this this series that's upcoming here, um, not exactly what the White Sox needed. Um, <laughs> you roll into Minnesota, just getting beaten by a Seattle team in two games in a row that you should have won. 
you should have won the first one. Controversial call at the end. You had bullpen A squad out there. Dylan Cease throws his best game of the year. Arguably, I guess you can say. And then this game, you have a five-run lead that you blow. And now you go into a juggernaut Twins team that's already got 91 wins on the year. And you're throwing out, uh, out of two out of three guys that you're throwing out there have struggled mightily recently. Um, And you're going up a really good pitcher who's just had tons of success against this White Sox lineup and Barrios. It does not spell any sort of, you know, reprieve for the White Sox as as far as getting a break or, you know, getting lucky and and facing a guy that you, you'd like to. I mean, even Martin Perez and Jake Odorizzi, both guys, uh, no, no slouch there. So it's going to be tough. The White Sox bats, yeah, they've been hot. You know, you, you saw a little bit of a dip on Saturday night. Today they were back, but that wasn't even enough to get the job done. The pitching is going to have to show up and carry this team if they want to win any of these ball games. Yeah, and I've lost a lot of faith uh, in any of the pitching because you know there were guys that would show streaks, like you'd said. Like I thought, you know, I, I wasn't going to completely say it, and but I was just hoping that, um, you know, hopeful Nani, not negative Nani. I was hoping after seeing Reynaldo Lopez's first, like, you know, four or five starts after the All-Star break, I was like, damn, all right, he's, you know, sticking to his word, saying he's going to be a different pitcher uh, in the second half, and that just has fallen off as of late. Um, I can remember a game at Atlanta where he's not even getting out of the first inning. Um, just just some brutal stuff. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, it doesn't spell hope. And, you know, the thing is, though, we talk about how weird this game is. Uh, you know, the White Sox, the last series that they didn't lose was to the Indians. They split that four game series at Cleveland in the first week of September. And now, uh, against some, I would say just, you know, patchwork, the patchwork angels, the terrible Royals, Royals are even worse than the White Sox. And then the Mariners, uh, who are also worse than the White Sox. They've lost all three of these series, uh, and it's really frustrating. And it, the, 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 I say it's weird because, you know, the, the White Sox have taken season series from the Astros. Uh, they've played, they, they've swept the Twins at home once. Um, I don't know. It, it just, uh, I, I, you never you know what's going to happen, but it this doesn't. This team makes no sense. Yeah, I, I'm totally there with you on that one. This team makes no sense. And they, they, they really generally haven't over the course of the last few years you know you've seen them just be a thorn in the Astros side and the Astros are one of the best teams in baseball you've seen them come out and play the Yankees well you've seen them play the Twins well the the Indians well you've seen them play the Cubs well you've seen them play a lot of the best teams in baseball very well and then you go up against those teams that you just mentioned and they shit the bed it's it's just it's doesn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I think they've also lost the season series to Baltimore. I know they only played them early on in the year, but I'm just looking back here because I do have tankathon.com pulled up, Tone. Um, <laughs> and I was, like, just looking at these teams that are, you know, just brutal at the top of this thing for the draft board, and the White Sox have, you know, not... Didn't they lose that series to the Marlins, too? They won the first game and then lost the next two? Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, Gosh. yeah. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. Not at all. 
It doesn't um, make so sense I, at all. I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, Tony, uh, I know we had talked a little bit about it on Shy Sox Weekly. So before we do our uh, picks click and all of that and the nitty gritty of the preview for uh, Monday's game to open the series at Minnesota, uh, we talked a little bit about Shy Sox Weekly that I had, ta- uh, had mentioned uh, just before. But the comments that you wrote an article about Ricky Renteria's conflicting comments and you wrote a great article called What's the Goal or What's the White Sox Goal uh, ended up being the final title of it. And I, I just if you want to elaborate just a little bit on it, uh, I know we have a more in-depth discussion with Jason Hosking on the latest episode of Shy Sox Weekly uh, on it, too. But if you want to bring it into the Sox on Tap realm here a little bit, because that was a burning issue this week. Oh, absolutely. I've got a few little burning issues that we can talk about here, uh, this being one of the first ones. So if you didn't catch it, uh, it's on ontapsportsnet.com in the White Sox section. I wrote an article, like Johnny mentioned, called What's the White Sox Goal Here? And uh, this came out a little bit earlier this week. Um, Ricky Renteria was in a uh, pregame press conference, as he normally does, and he mentioned about the White Sox preseason goal this year was to be 500 or better. And a few things stuck out to me about this comment. Number one was that the White Sox in the first half, they really had a chance to actually be 500, if not maybe a few games better. And, you know, we've talked about it a lot on the show. Every damn time that the White Sox were getting close to that 500 number, I mean, our guy Buzz, who's not with us tonight and, uh, he had uh, he had to call the uh, Chicago Bears game on hot mic, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, you know, he and I talked about it a lot. Um, you know, that 500 number was magic. You know, we we even got a, a killer graphic out of our guy Alex Teichman um, uh, about you know it said 500, and Eloy was standing over the 500. It was it was a cool graphic. You know, getting to see this team reached the 500 mark I think earlier this year was one of my favorite moments so to hear that that was the goal to finish the season 500 or better knowing that at parts of this year we were flirting with it that makes me wonder about some of the decisions that were made and not only some of the decisions that were made specifically by manager Ricky Renteria I want to go back to when the Sox were just a game under 500 back in early May when it was brought up to Rick Renteria during a pregame press conference about the Sox being just a game under 500. And Rick Renteria answered the question with, wow, I didn't know that. Johnny, I don't know about you, but to me, Professional sports are measured one way and one way only. How many wins do you have and how many losses do you have? Is there anything else, Johnny, that you can consider that measures success of a team in professional sports? Absolutely not. Okay. All about the wins and losses. So rebuild, no rebuild, whatever. You still want to win ballgames. This team has said countless times that they want to build a winning culture. They want to see these guys win together. They want to, you know, compete and and whatnot. So regardless of whether or not the White Sox came out and stated a goal for the 2019 season to the fans is besides the point here coming into the season. You make it to September 
and then you let everybody know what your goals were to be 500 or better and that you still see some positives because you know you're not going to reach said goal. I don't understand this level of stupidity. I really don't. Because, A, why are you letting the media, the fans, the players, whether or not they were clued in on this, what the goal was, after the point where you failed to reach it? That takes a different level of stupidity, in my opinion. Because it not only exposes the fact that you failed, but to then try and cover it up with, well, we've seen the improvements. What improvements? I just tweeted out, I think it was about a week and a half ago, the offensive categories and the pitching categories and where the Sox ranked. In 2018 versus 2019. And they were worse in 2019 than they were they were in 2018. Which is something to say. Considering the fact that Yohan Moncada. Has completely turned the tables. On what kind of season he had last year versus this year. Tim Anderson is fighting for a batting title. Lucas Giolito is the most improved pitcher. In all of baseball. Jose Abreu leads the league in RBIs. You've got everything that could have possibly gone right for this team in order to compete and be above 500. And yet, you're still, every every offensive category that matters, you're almost 25 or lower in Major League Baseball. And lower than you were in 2018 in multiple categories. That is just a giant red flag to me as far as the course of the rebuild goes. If you have all of the young guys that are doing something right, this should have been a year, in my opinion, that was capitalized upon in a way where you can actually achieve the goals that you set out to accomplish. Point number one, the DH spot. Utilizing guys such as Yonder Alonso, A.J. Reed, Daniel Palka, Wellington Castillo, Zach Collins, and everybody else. Jose Rondon is another name. I don't think a single one of those guys ever hit above 200 during the course of this season. In the American League, you are afforded a gift where you can have an offensive player hit every single day and not take on the defensive liabilities of said player. There are plenty of options out there within Major League Baseball, within this own White Sox organization, within this own team, who are guys that have defensive liabilities that would be better served just hitting. And yet the White Sox failed to utilize any of them at a consistent basis. That's a problem. If your goal is to be 500 or better, you need to put a winning product on the field. And Johnny, the Sox haven't had a winning product on the field since 2012. If they thought that they were going to come out here this year and put a winning product on the field, there should have been things that were different. Not only that, the utilization of starting pitching this year. 
you had Manny Banuelos, Dylan Covey, Odrisimer Despagne, Irvin Santana, Ross Detweiler, among other names who started for this White Sox team who were not pitchers that have ever been close to winning as many ball games as they've lost in the major leagues. How do you set a goal to be 500 or better when I just listed off all of the names of these starters who do not play on 500 or better teams? It doesn't make sense. If you were banking on Carlos Rodon, Lucas Giolito, who was the worst pitcher in baseball last year, and Reynaldo Lopez to win as many games as they possibly could to anchor the rest of this rotation. That's foolish. Absolutely foolish. So not only were there some lineup things, some different things that Ricky did. I'm guessing this goal came from the front office, Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, maybe Jerry Reinsdorf. Who knows? Who knows where this goal came from? If Ricky Renteria is talking about a personal goal, and this wasn't specified in the comments that were made, if Ricky Renteria is talking about a personal goal, and this isn't something that the front office had laid out for him, there's absolutely no reason for him to come out and say it. I think that's a different level of foolish that I've never seen before in my entire life. If Ricky Renteria thought this lineup and this pitching staff were going to take him to 500, because it, it never was. There was never going to be enough improvement with what was given to him. So you, you have to go back and then look at the front office. If the front offices are the guy, or if the front office is the ones that decided that this team was going to be 500 or better and laid that goal out for Ricky Renteria, they need to be held responsible for the product that they put on the field and go look in the mirror and say, why didn't this work? Well, A.J. Reed, Yolmer Sanchez still being your second baseman, Adam Engel getting the amount of bats that he still got, not improving right field. I, I believe I talked about Aficel Garcia the other night. I think that was with Buzz. How much better he was than what the White Sox had at DH and right field this year. Fixing the starting pitching. Not dumpster diving for guys like Odrisa Mertespanye, Ross Detweiler, Irvin Santana throughout the year. How did you expect this team to ever be 500 with the product that you put out there? It doesn't make any sense. Well, remember, I was going to say, remember, Tony, it was Twitter's fault for blowing up the Jack Peterson trade. Well, <laughs> that aside, that aside from this whole matter, find a way to get it done. Find a way to put a better product on the field. If you wanted this team to have its first winning season since 2012, you're not worrying about the 50 extra million dollars for Manny Machado. You're not worrying about a lot of the different things. You're, you're spending $14 million to go get DJ LeMayhew instead of spending 12 or instead of, you know, looking at the Yankees going and giving him 12 and saying that's too pricey. You go and get a guy like Nelson Cruz or make an offer for Michael Brantley that's actually worth it for him. You go and you do a lot of things to bolster this roster and say, 
we want to have our first winning season. If 500 was the goal, you don't enter this year with what you had on this roster on paper. doesn't make any sense. And, Johnny, I wrote a lot of stuff in this article. I want to know what the real goal is here. Because how can you, as a fan, buy into this team saying, our goal is to be competitive for multiple championships when the finished product is here? if you can't hit the goals of being 500 because not only does the front office not put out what it needs to put out to be 500 by signing players and constructing a roster that's worthy of 500 baseball, but then having a manager who utilizes players who are on the roster incorrectly. And yet two or three days later, after all of this comes out, and this is after I wrote the article, they're talking about the staff returning next year and Ricky Renteria saying, well, everybody's done a great job. I'm sorry. When you don't hit your goal, you're not doing a great job. There's something wrong. So it pissed me off enough to write about it. I got a lot of thoughts out there. I'm sorry for rambling on here for a few minutes, but it's just something that I really don't understand. And I don't think it got enough talk about within the media Within White Sox Twitter, um, I think a lot of people kind of glossed over it uh, just because they're kind of fading out on this baseball season. But goals are important, Johnny. If you don't have a goal, what's the point of being there? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, you laid it out all very well. Um, I got to, you know, proofread it and uh, then, you know, see the finalized product. Um, and, and when I had shared them from our ONTAP Sports and Sox ONTAP pages, um, I, you know, put some captions that kind of hinted at what you just said there that, you know, uh, while it may seem trivial on the surface, actually dive into it, actually dive into it and compare what he has said. We're not making this up out of thin air. There's, you know, no smoke and mirrors. It is what Ricky Renteria said in May versus what he said in September. And the conflicting uh, messages that are in there are very, very concerning. And then, obviously, that all ties into the front office with, with like you had said, they did not position this uh, team on paper uh, to be any what close to competitive. Here's one of the things that I want to go back to. Um, and we talked about the, the Rick Hahn interview and the shitstorm that ensued afterwards. And, and one of the things that Rick Hahn had said was – you know, there's a lot of people who are negative out there. I want, you know, he's like, I don't care if people are, are are negative as long as they look at the facts, evaluate them, and then formulate an opinion to express. Here are the facts. At one point this year, Rick Renteria said, I don't look at the freaking numbers to the media when asked about this team being only a game under 500 said that he cared more about the approach. Fact number two. In September, Ricky Renteria said the White Sox had a preseason goal to be 500 or better. Those are the two facts. I'm looking at them. I'm evaluating them. My evaluation, those things don't add up. That's a red flag. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm evaluating the facts in front of me based on statements that the White Sox manager has said to the media. Those are facts. His statements are facts. So my evaluation is something's wrong. Something is wrong here. 
and my opinion on it is that there needs to be accountability for it. There we go. It, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to go all, you know, oh, the Sox can't do that. No. These are the facts. The guy said two conflicting statements. If you dive into them, if you look at everything behind it, all of the basis of information that you, is available to a fan is that there's something wrong with this. If your goal is to be 500 or better, your goal was to compete this year and you failed at it. That is a fact based on what was said. Yeah, you're 100% right there. And if you have not checked it out yet, I advise you to go to ontapsportsnet.com. Uh, I know Tony, you know, had hinted out a lot of the same things and even expanded a little bit more uh, in the Sunday Funday episode here. But uh, all of this is laid out very nicely and it's uh, very well put together. Um, a little bit lo- longer form article uh, than what we usually see on our on tap sports net articles, but um, I appreciated you doing it because uh, someone needed to highlight it, and I agree with you that's getting kind of glossed over. People are onto the Bears, people are onto you know fall sports in hockey and basketball coming up soon, and all that, and the White Sox not being you know competitive. Uh, and Rick Rendery says their goal was to be semi competitive this year, um, just like you had said red flags for me as well. Well, yeah, Johnny, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to uh, voice some of it out here. Um, it's a very hot topic for me. You know, if you wanted to be 500 or better, um, you don't lose ball games like you did today. You don't lose ball games like you did yesterday. Um, you know, good teams are above 500 and good teams don't lose close ball games. They don't lose games to teams that are below them. Um, you know, that's, I'm not saying that every single time we play the Royals, we should have beat them. You know, I'm I'm smart enough to know that in, in baseball, weird things happen from time to time. Anybody can beat anybody on any given night. But you need to be more consistent against some of those teams that are below you. You need to win series instead of going one and two against teams that you're better than consistently. That's how you get to 500. You're going to get beat by the good teams. You're going to get beat by teams that are around the same level of talent as you. But the teams that you should beat, those are the games that you have to win in order to drive yourself towards that 500 mark. And we talked about it a little bit earlier. The Sox were unable to do that this year. You know, we'll, we'll detail some of this all in a season recap episode. I'm sure we're going to get one from Shy Sox Weekly. I'm sure we're going to get one from Sox on Tap. We'll talk ad nauseum about it. Sitting here right now on September 15th, I'm frustrated with that. I'm really frustrated with the fact that after you've already lost the chance to even get close to 500, you come out and tell me that that was your goal because you didn't even need to say that. And that's one of the things that I didn't really mention is you never really even needed to come out to the media and say, Oh, this was our goal. We missed it. I'm sorry. That's just like pouring gasoline on a fire that's already like been burning for a good amount of time, you know, and this fire didn't need any more gasoline on it. It was already healthy enough. Yeah. I agree with you, and I think that also hints at uh, we don't need to get into this too much. This will probably be another uh, off-season or season recap topic. Um, but I think it just kind of uh, 
really, in my eyes, uh, kind of exemplifies how rough around the edges this team is with PR and how kind of unorganized I think they are from a PR standpoint, Tony. I know that, you know, the product on the field, people are they're still going to take flack for that no matter what. Uh, people are always going to have their opinions and all of that kind of stuff on it, and they're going to voice it for what you see on the field. But stuff like that, that's an internal clubhouse goal, and that was discussed between the guys in the room. Like you had said, Ricky Renteria didn't have to come out and say that. Uh, he could have danced around the question. Um, I know we talk about wanting transparency, but hell, uh, this really did not need to come out uh, from there. Just I'm looking at it from their perspective. If I was, you know, and it, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't even be PR. It'd be crisis communications, uh, in my opinion, when it comes to the White Sox right. organization, because, you know, it all it, it, you saw the first massive example of a failing in that department was uh, letting Kenny Williams go out and speak on the golf carts at the day, you know, hours, not even. I think it was 45 minutes after missing out on Machado. Um before Rickon could even get out there and say anything. So, um, you know, j- just disorganized uh, and just makes us uh, even more concerned about what's going on because it's not just the talent on the field that is lacking then. It is also a leadership problem. Uh, it is a, you know, mentality of the organization, I think. It feels like they're, like you would said, just kind of not taking this as seriously seriously as we'd like them to. Uh, that's kind of the vibe that I get here. So, Well, and um, I want to I bring up a few other things real quick here. Um, number one is that this is coming on the heels of, you know, a season ticket holder price increase next year. You know, this, this comes right after they, <laughs> they raise the prices on it. You know, normally that's something that's reserved for winning teams. I know that, you know, just with the state of the rebuild, you would expect next year to be better. But I want to go to a tweet that White Sox Dave actually sent out today. And I'm going to pull it up here in in just a second. I don't know how far back it is in his timeline, but this is in regards to the Bears today. And Dave was talking about accountability. And once I get to it, I'll I'll read the tweet out. But I, I want the same accountability to be fired back at the White Sox front office is what this said here. I'm, I'm trying to find it. Here it is. It was after the refs made a terrible call on a late hit that the Bears had made on defense. And he said, it's true. There needs to be an accountability. If you suck at your job in any profession on earth, you lose it. These refs are god-awful. Where's the accountability for a guy like Todd Steverson, Joey Capra? You know, I'm not even going to go towards Rick Renteria with this because at some point you have to realize, like I kind of mentioned, kind of hinted at it, but I didn't say it directly. You got to deal with what you're dealt in the managerial position when you're forming your lineups. We can we can kind of give him a little bit of a leash, but when your offense has been twenty fifth or worst or worse in almost every single category, how is there no how is there no accountability for that, Johnny? How is there no accountability for how many runs were lost at the plate, either by bad holds or bad sends? How is there no accountability? for not reaching the 500 goal. You know, and I even mentioned a little bit earlier about 
um, I'm losing my train of thought here. I even mentioned a little bit earlier that, uh, you know, Rick Renteria had to do a little bit with the team not making 500. But if that was his goal from the front office to get to 500 and he didn't manage the team properly enough, where's the accountability on that? And Rick Renteria coming out and saying, everybody on the staff did a great job. We expect everybody back. He said this to the media. Where is the accountability there? If you suck at your job in any profession on earth, you lose it. Why has nobody lost their job here after, what is it, eight seasons now of losing baseball? Seven or eight seasons of losing baseball? Where is the accountability there? I want to know. Yeah, it- Mind-boggling, really, Tony. Um, and we'll see if there are any moves made uh, in the offseason. But uh, Rick Renteria even said it uh, when you're talking about, you know, everybody's done a great job. They're just patting themselves on the back when the numbers don't reflect it. So it's very frustrating. Where's the accountability? Um, I'm with you. It's nowhere to be found. Yeah, I, I, I just I, I don't want to. I don't want to end my weekend on such a negative note and. I just want to preface this, and Johnny, I'm I'm sure you feel the exact same way. We've tossed a lot of fire towards the White Sox, the front office, the managers, the players throughout this year on Sox on Tap. I, I don't want to be negative. I don't. I don't want this to be a show where we bitch and complain about every little thing. We've talked a lot about positives. This team, over the course of the year, has had a lot of positives on it. Tim Anderson going for a batting title. Lucas Giolito, most improved pitcher. His name's been in Cy Young talks at some points throughout this year. Yohan Moncada looks like an absolute star. Eloy Jimenez has a chance to hit 30 home runs. Jose Abreu leads the league in RBIs. You've gotten exponentially better in the back end of your bullpen when it comes to games that you're competing in. Alex Calamay has blown one save all year. You've got a guy that can come in and lock down ball games for you. This team has the building blocks to be competitive. I don't want people to sit here and think like, oh, this is all doom and gloom. There is a lot of positives. There is so many positives about this team that we can focus on. The frustrating part and where this may get construed as negative is that you could have arguably been competitive this year. And if it was your goal to be competitive this year, you failed. You failed to be competitive this year because you didn't supplement your roster. We talk about how much money there's been to spend. We talk about how great of a position that Rick Hahn has put this team in to spend money to be competitive. The AL Central was not as big of a juggernaut as one would think. Yes, the Twins have hit so many home runs this year. The Sox could have done the same thing. Imagine taking Nelson Cruz out of the Twins lineup and putting him in the DH spot for the White Sox. You know, imagine signing Jake Odorizzi instead of trying to take a flyer on a guy like Irvin Santana that turns into Manny Banuelos, that turns into Dylan Coveys, that turns into uh, Odrisimer Despanyes. Imagine signing DJ LeMahieu, another guy that is fighting for the batting title who you could have spent 12 to $14 million on 
and having him and Tim Anderson hitting in the 330s all year. Those are the types of things that would have put this ball club in a really great position to win. You fix the bullpen. You got lucky on a, a signing of a guy like James McCann who turns around and has the best year of his career for you. Most competitive ball clubs have guys on the team that have career years. Well, guess what? You had like four or five guys on this team who've had career years, and you were unable to even reach the 500 goal that you set for yourself. There has to be accountability for that. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. Uh, you, uh, you're taking all the words out of my mouth. Uh, one thing that I did want to touch on that you had said, yes, uh, there, there has been some shoring up in the bullpen, but with what we've seen in some stretches, um, you know, more people like to focus on the, uh, obviously a starting pitching spot, a right fielder, uh, that's going to be a huge one to target in the off season, second base, uh, possibly depending on Nick Madrigal's timeline. Um, even then you still go out and get, get the best player, but, uh, we're going to have to look, uh, long and hard at, at some of these bullpen arms, uh, with Jace Fry, uh, not having nearly the season that he did in 2018 and obviously only being used for one, two batters at a time and being wild, um, Aaron Bummer at the, you know, he, he will be fine and he will be around. I'm not discrediting him and he has, you know, had himself a decent year, but, uh, th- there's been times where he's had slip ups and as of late walking some batters. So, uh, that's just another area of concern. And this will be an off season topic for us. Obviously we'll have, we'll have, uh, plenty of time, uh, to discuss it then and see what free agent arms are available or what they could do via trade. But I definitely do think there needs to be even more for the bullpen. Uh, that, that'll help you get even more competitive and towards that. Um, you know, what, what, what they want to, uh, always trot out there is we want to you know put this team in a position to compete for multiple championships, um, in their window that they're going to have. So, um, th- that's just another piece that I, I would add into the mix. Uh, I would definitely say, you know, right field starting pitching are the glaring ones. Everybody could tell you that. But um, I don't want to have the patchwork with uh, Jimmy Cordero, with, uh, you know, Josh Osich as okay as he's been in some some outings uh, more recently. Uh, it's not a name that jumps off the page at you and not really anything that moves the needle. So uh, Calvin Herrera severely underperforming um, and them overpaying him. Uh, they're going to have to deal with that as well. Uh so, yeah, I just think bullpen arm, uh, put it in your mind right now because that's what they should be targeting. Yeah, um, and we can we can go all night on this, Johnny, but uh, the, the fact of the matter is going to always come back to um, the same storyline here. You have to spend the money on guys that you know are going to be competitive. You have to spend the, the money wisely on some of those guys. Is it wise to go drop nine plus mil on a guy like uh, Nova, who's just a, a, a patchwork starter? I think you know he's he's been good, but you go you make that trade and you bring him in here to eat innings, and yet you sit there and think that this team's going to be above five hundred. And I know he's he's probably been one of the most serviceable arms out of that rotation over the course of the year outside of Lucas Giolito. But that's not, that's not a, I want to win move. It always comes back to the same thing. Like I was just kind of getting at is you want to bring in talented guys who can help this organization win ball games, not just right now, but over the course of a few years, you did that when you brought in Alex Calme. 
but you didn't do that when you brought in almost anybody else here. I'm going to even go back and say that the James McCann's signing wasn't exactly intended to play out the way it was. You got lucky there. Because if you if you really look at it, you wanted Zach Collins to be your starting catcher at least a year or two ago. By now, you wanted him to be your starting catcher in your lineup 70 to 60% of the time and producing at a high level. So you come into this offseason, if you want to say next year's goal is to be 500 or better, you need to put some product on the field that looks a little bit better than this. And that takes spending the money, making trades, trading from your assets that you have, your prospects, you know, and, and and making the team better to win now. You know, at some point you need to shift the focus from I'm trying to stockpile all this future talent to I want to actually make the playoffs this year. There, there has to be a transition. You know, yep. you know, it, going into what is it going to be year four of the rebuild? Yeah, that's when this transition needs to take place. The unfortunate part is Rick Hahn has gone on record and said we've shortened the timeline. And you have to be held accountable for that. You have to be. It's the unfortunate situation is once you go and tell the fans we've shortened the timeline. Well, now all of a sudden, this year should have been a winning year, especially when you have your manager come out and say, well, our goal was to be competitive. I, I, I don't care if 500 would have made the playoffs. 500 would have been a lot better than what we're looking at right now. Yeah, it would be 19 games below 500 now. Uh, that is missing the mark is what I would call it if you're comparing it to uh, the goal that was set by the team themselves and Ricky Renteria yep. said it in his own words like we said not making this up not blowing smoke it is what it is we're looking at the facts evaluating them and giving our opinion on it yep. <laughs> and it's uh, unfortunately coming off you know negative uh, it sucks uh, we hate doing this uh, like you said we want to be positive we want to be talking about um, I want to talk about wins every night beaters. yeah I want to talk about fireworks I want to talk about wins I want to talk about how great this team is you know I, I don't I don't want to sit here and stew every Sunday night or after every ball game and be like, well, the, I want, I want that. So white Sox to be walking teams off. I want that. So white Sox to be, you know, coming back from five run deficits and beating the shit out of somebody else. I want that. So white Sox to be, you cannot beat this team. If we're up by two runs in the sixth inning, because we've got a guy out there who's going to go throw two shutout innings, and then we're going to turn it over to our setup guy and our closer, and you're screwed. I want that so White Sox to be the middle of the lineup is up, and you're sweating because you know you have to face three, four, five, six guys who have a potential to put the ball out of the ballpark on any given night. That's what I want hashtag that so White Sox to be. You know, I, I don't want it to be a meme of, well, the Sox just screwed this up every night. I don't want that. I want this to be a fun team to watch in September. I posed this question to White Sox Dave today on Twitter while he was, uh, you know, talking about how halftime is uh, go uh, watch the White Sox game season. And I said, do you believe that next year yourself, and this was posted Dave, 
that in September when the Bears are on, the White Sox will be playing meaningful enough ball games for you to watch the White Sox game and only flip to the Bears on commercials. And I feel like this is a very interesting question because this is a Bears town. This is a, this is definitely a Bears town. I don't think anybody's arguing it. But, Johnny, I know I'm a diehard White Sox fan. I know you are a diehard White Sox fan. I know there's a lot of people out there who immediately come September prioritize Bears football over White Sox baseball. And it's been easy to do over the past seven years. Do you think that next year the White Sox will be playing meaningful enough baseball in September for most people, the casual fan, to say, this game means so much to the White Sox, I don't care about week two, three football. I am going to tune into the White Sox game because they need to win this game so that they can make it into the playoffs. That's my question for you tonight, and then we'll talk about uh, uh, our picks to click and everything. Uh, negative 90 coming out here. No, because the money will not be spent. That is why. That's exactly what I expected you to answer. Um, I, I personally, I still think most people will be tuning into the Bears games. <laughs> uh, as unfortunate as that is, I, I don't know if that's because the money will be spent or not. But I just I don't feel like this team has enough in it right now to turn it around and, and garner that kind of attention in September, mid-September, late September. But I would I would like it to. Um, oh yeah, I, I want I, to. I I, I really absolutely. I, I really wanted to. I think my my hopes and expectations are a little bit broken after this past off season. Um, but you know, I I just thought that that was an interesting question. That's why I posed it to yeah. Dave. And, uh, you know, I'm curious. Um, I'm curious for the listeners, too. Uh, do you think next year the White Sox will be playing meaningful enough ball games for people to be tuning into Sox games and only flipping to the Bears on commercials because the Sox are playing such meaningful baseball? I, I think that's a good listener poll. Maybe we can run that poll tomorrow, Johnny. Yeah. Um, maybe we can get some feedback on it. Um, I, I just I don't know why I thought of it, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, really interesting question. We would love to hear the listeners' thoughts on it too. Um, so that being said, Tone, uh, we've uh, you know we've drawn out a lot of good topics. That's what Sunday Fun Day is for here. Um, we hope it's been uh, you know meaningful discussion uh, for the listeners and uh, you know definitely concerns. But uh, that's just we're working with the facts, man. Uh, you just want to go back to that, reiterate that. Let's get into picks to click and close this thing out. Um, Tony, who are picks to click? Brought to you by. Picks to Click are brought to you by Second City Picks. You can find them at Second City Picks on Twitter and at secondcitypicks.com on the World Wide Web. And if you go to secondcitypicks.com, you can enter a pick for a Chicago sports game on any given day. Uh, they've got the Bears, they've got the Cubs, Sox, whatever's in season. And you can either pick uh, whatever they have out there for the day. It could be the uh, final score of a game. It could be how many runs the Sox or whatever Chicago team scores. It could be anything. They'll let you know. Um, they'll tweet it out in the morning. And if you are correct at the end of the day, you can win yourself a gift card to a fine Chicago eating establishment. Um, we've seen Chipotle. We've seen Connie's Pizza. We've seen all sorts of different good eating establishments. 
bone of beef, my personal favorite that they've uh, they've ever had on there. But um, if you are the winner, uh, they will email you a gift card. Uh, it could be ten dollars, twenty dollars, whatever, um, and you can win yourself some free food. Nothing better than free food. And the fact of the matter is here, this is completely free to you. So why not do it? It takes five minutes or less to get on to secondcitypicks.com. Go fill out your answers. Put your email address in there, your name, and they will contact you if you win. They'll even email you a little receipt to let you know what your picks are in case you uh, crack them too much and forget what you picked. And you can follow along with the game. You've got some skin in the game because there's nothing better than free food at the end of the day. And it's just super simple. It's super easy. And it gives you a chance to win something. And you don't have to spend any money on it. Nothing better than free food, like I said, Johnny. So why aren't you doing it? Go to secondcitypicks.com. Make your picks. They've got a different game every day and a different chance to win free food every day. That's awesome. That's cool and tough. Go make some picks. Absolutely. Go to secondcitypicks.com. All right. uh, Picks click for uh, game one at Minnesota Monday night uh, at 7.40 excuse me, 6.40 p.m. Central Time start here. Um, it will be, uh, you know, I already mentioned the matchup, Rios versus Lopez there. So uh, for the White Sox, um, I am going to go with, uh, let's say, Eloy Jimenez. He's hitting 400 against uh, Rios in the uh, 10 times that he has seen him with a home run, uh, three ribbies. So uh, I'll go with Eloy. Let's see some bombs. You know, I like that one. Um, I just want to comment back on how hard it is to make these picks in September. Can't wait for next year when uh, we don't have the expanded roster and we never know who we're going to get. It's so hard because I feel like I just keep cycling the Yoan, Eloy, um, and Moncada. uh, Or, yeah, Moncada, Eloy. um, Who else is normally in there? Bray, Timmy. Timmy. I feel like I just keep cycling through those yeah. guys. So I want to go. So I want to go somewhere else with this. Um, do you think? Do you think Garcia is going to start tomorrow? Yeah, that's. A, it's a good question. I don't know. You would think earlier in the season he was pretty much a lock to lead off every single day, but now you know. You know, funny. we're getting like Yomer Sanchez in yeah. the leadoff spot. So yeah. you know, it, it just screws it all up. Um, and then you got guys like Beef hitting grand slams. So uh, you know, I'm gonna go back. I'll say Garcia if he's in there. Um, I haven't tweeted that picture of you and, and Buzz in a while, or even the original uh, Luray, um celebration photo. It's been too long. I want to do that tomorrow. I'm hoping that happens. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with your guy, Luray Legend. Uh, pick the click. Yeah, we need we need those pictures to come back out. Like you'd said, been way too long. Uh, whether he be out of the lineup or uh, you know on leave of absence uh, from the team or death in the family, um, it just seems like it's been a while uh, since we've really had a Lurie celebration pic- picture. Uh, let's get back to it tomorrow. I like that pick. So um, Tony, that's it. Uh, like I'd mentioned, uh, Lopez versus Brios. We kind of uh, brushed over it a little bit there uh, before we got into our deeper topics. So um, that's first. Uh, that's a three game set uh, at Minnesota. So. Um, God, I, I need a win. I need it for my soul. These last two nights have been soul crushing. Yeah, I need a win, too. Um, I was looking back at my ballpark app today. I haven't seen a win since August 14th in person. Um, and it feels like it, it's been since August 14th since I've seen a win streak. It feels <laughs> like for some odd reason. But uh, I'm sure we've had one or two uh, little little streaks within there. But that's a long time uh, over a month of White Sox baseball where I've just been kind of disappointed. Um, let's go get one tomorrow. 
and set it up for Lucas Giolito on Tuesday. Um, give me a win streak here. Uh, if you had asked me for predictions, though, I'm going to go a one and two in this series. And uh, as much as I want that win streak to happen, Sox are going to have to go earn it. Yep, uh, I was prediction wise too. Uh, I'm with you on one and two. Uh, I think you know Lucas Giolito probably gets it done on Tuesday. Um, it's just going to be tough, man. Uh, Raylo with being inconsistent as of late and getting rocked in a few of those starts, uh, and then Covey versus Odorizzi on Wednesday. I pretty much have no hope for that one. So you know what the thing is though, when I go negative on it, whatever I pick doesn't matter if I go positive or negative. Whatever I pick, they usually go the opposite. So let's hope for that. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know what? I'll 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 ride your anti whatever energy we got going on here into um hopefully success for the White Sox. Um you know, what? little little sad fact here. There will only be two more in-season Sunday fun days, Johnny. Uh we're coming to a close here on the in-season Sox on tap coverage. We've got basically two weeks of baseball left. This has been a really fun ride. Um, I just want to throw this out there. Thanks to everybody who's uh, joined us on Socks on Tap um, for uh, for all the coverage we've had this year. We can't wait to uh, close this season out and uh, look forward to next year. Um, hopefully, we'll be talking about a lot more wins than we were losses uh, in, in 2020. But, uh, Johnny, it's been a pleasure to see this uh, this little thing grow into uh, what, we've, what we've kind of built here. Um, so... I enjoy getting on here, talking about these games. Like I said, um, hopefully more winners next year. But uh, just I, I wanted to say thank you again to everybody who who tunes into the show day in, day out and uh, listens to uh, my voice, your voice, Buzz's voice, uh, Kinsler's voice when he's on here and whoever else we get to uh, come be a guest or fill in as a co-host um, from ONTAP Sportsnet. We really appreciate it. Um, there's no plans to stop this. We'll be back next year strong um we're hoping to finish out this season with uh some more entertaining uh episodes of socks on tap and uh yeah just thank you to uh everybody um and then one other final note um uh if you're a bears fan we talked a little bit about the bears tonight um on the show our guy buzz who's a uh, staple member of socks on tap he's calling the games over at hot mic the bears games that is on hot mic app um you can listen to our guy buzz instead of listening to the uh the announcers on the football game you can listen to him and our guy amp called the bears game so if you if you're looking to uh hear buzz talk more uh go download the hot mic app um on the app store Uh, if you have an iphone i I believe it's coming to android very shortly and you can uh watch him call the bears games i think that's pretty cool um you know he's got a lot of emotion and uh, he loves his Bears, so uh, go tune into him. Uh, call some Bears games. And if you're looking for Bears coverage, uh, go to at Bears on Tap on Twitter. Uh, we've got a Bears post game show as well. Um, that's our guy Pat Kamiski, who joins us on Four Feathers. He's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, Brandon Suarez, who is uh, at Shy Sox Jonda's brother, and uh, our guy Premier Amp uh, Aaron Parpart who uh, they all review the uh, the Bears games, and they'll even give you a preview episode. They get two episodes a week. Go check them out over at Bears on Tap. They're on all the same platforms as Socks on Tap is. Go give them a listen. Go give them a rating. Go give them a review. And importantly, give us a review, a rating over on iTunes as well. 
um, if you enjoy the show. Johnny, you have anything else? Yep. Uh, last few housekeeping notes on that. Uh, like you had mentioned for that hot mic app when you were listening to Buzz and Amp Call the Games, if you go and download it, um, help us out, uh, help those guys out. Uh, when you go to download, there should be a code uh, that you can enter. Use Buzz23 or AMP23, all one words, all uppercase, no spaces in between the letters and the numbers. Uh, that, uh, that's Buzz23 or AMP23 when you go and download Hot Mike. Uh, those guys are doing a bunch of ridiculous and fun stuff over there. Buzz is building some Miller Lite beer towers. Uh, you know, they're slapping high fives after Barrett's win- uh, points, and they're, you know, uh, ripping their hair out after uh, giving up touchdowns uh, late in the game all that good stuff so uh high entertainment value definitely and you know they're passionate bears guys like we're passionate about the white Sox here uh those guys are definitely very uh invested in the bears i'll say that and then uh we did a little rearranging uh on the site which is nice so if you do go uh, to ontapsportsnet.com and click on your uh, team's tab whatever you're looking for um over off to the right there's a place where we have links to the podcast now uh, of course there's the podcast tab where you can listen to them all right on there but um, if you're looking for a little easier way to find it, uh, there's a little image over on the right that says listen to Socks on Tap, Bears on Tap, uh, what have you. Cubs on Tap, if you're looking at that. Uh, we'll have Blackhawks up there shortly. Um, you know, all that stuff. Uh, so we did a little rearranging on the site. Go check it out uh, on your team's tab. So we're your one-stop shop, uh, Tone. That is all I've got, though. Yeah. And uh, one last thing, Johnny. The return of Four Feathers is coming. It is. The return of Four Feathers and the launch of Blackhawks on Tap. If you're a Hawks fan and you like listening to Socks on Tap, be sure to check out the launch of Blackhawks on Tap. It's going to be mainly Johnny and myself breaking down Blackhawks games all winter long. Hopefully we're talking about a lot of wins over there, Johnny. Um, I know last season was uh, not what we wanted um, as far as the Blackhawks go, but um, just going to throw that out there for any Hawks fans. Go check out Blackhawks on tap. We're going to have that up and running within the next few weeks. Blackhawks preseason starts this week. We are excited for some hockey, and uh, we'll be breaking it down just like we broke down White Sox games. And be sure to tune in to our Four Feathers episodes. Um, those are our featured episodes, kind of like a Shy Sox Weekly. Um, we'll be joined by Cubs on tap uh, host Ron Luce and Bears on Tap host Patrick Comiskey as we break down the Blackhawks for you all season long. Have to plug the Blackhawks, Johnny. I'm excited to talk some hockey with you. It's been a long summer, so I'm excited to talk about that with you as well, Johnny. I don't have anything else. Um, like I said earlier, hopefully we're talking about some some White Sox wins to close out this year. I know I'm going to miss getting to the ballpark, especially cracking some beers in Lot B with you. Um, I'm hoping we get to crack them at least one or two more times um, throughout this uh, this last homestand here. Um, but other than that, White Sox forever. White Sox forever. <laughs>